Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it is grand and glorious out there. The sun's shining, the wind is down, there's no snow falling. Ah, it's a lovely April day. Welcome, welcome. We're going to spend a couple hours here on The Patrick Wiley Show talking about, uh, well, we're going to engage in some energetic and entertaining conversation, as you might expect, on local, state, and national news and politics. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some local stuff with booze, some booze in a couple of different ways, including wine and beer, and that'll be fun. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio bringing you the latest news and weather. Thanks for spending some time with us today on your radio at Information 1000. Streamed live at KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app where you get the one-touch streaming. You get news and weather updates and you find out all the cool stuff that's going on down here at Results Radio. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. That's at P-L-A-L-L-U-I Show on the Twitter. So uh, I don't want to let the day pass without uh, mentioning, uh, marking the 50th anniversary. It's hard to believe. 50 years since the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis. Um, it's weird how we remember these dates. Obviously, this one is uh, comes with a lot of fanfare because it's 50 years ago, or a lot of remembrances, I should say. But uh, the way I always remember the date is from the uh, U2 song, When Shot Rings Out in a Memphis Sky. That's uh, a weird way to remember it, but it's a great song. And uh, that's today, 50 years ago. And, of course, it changed everything. Uh, but imagine, just imagine that level of chaos and violence of the period when you had JFK, Martin Luther King, Robert F. Kennedy, all murdered in cold blood for reasons we can never really fully understand. And those were three high-profile assassinations, but other people died. Uh, Other people were assassinated for their political beliefs, uh, factionalism uh, in various uh, elements of the, uh, you know, the left movements of uh, protest and the chaos that ensued and the uh, dysfunction in society and the complete breakdown of civil order. It's hard for us to understand what that was like in 1968. And still, somehow, we survived. The nation survived. Did we grow stronger? Did we emerge stronger from the experience? I don't think we can say that one way or another, but we did emerge. We survived. And it's been a long time since we've had to undergo that level of public trauma. And we we sometimes think that today we're in this swirl of controversy and dysfunction, but it's not the same thing. We have our days when things don't seem to be going well, but I would never stand before you and advocate for violence, blowing up buildings in protest. And I don't think that in the main, that's even a consideration anymore, and it was in those days. If it is, if it does come to that, then we haven't learned these lessons of history. I do worry that as time passes and the brutal reality of racial and class violence of that intensity 
as the memory of that fades, that we are more susceptible to the lure of violence, of armed insurrection in the name of justice or some twisted cause of nationalism. It's good to take a few minutes and reflect on those larger principles of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and the events of 50 years ago today. There are lessons. There are lessons in the time. And we know that we don't want to return to days of rioting in the streets. And even the protests that we've seen over unarmed people killed by police, the Black Lives Matter movement, the Me Too movement, the protests of the youth movement after the Parkland shooting. These are not of the same ilk. These are people marching most, mostly peacefully in support of a cause that they believe in. And for the most part, they're not put upon by dogs. They're not hosed down with fire hoses, beat with clubs. The streets are not on fire. The cities are not embroiled in turmoil. And so we're lucky for that. So maybe we have, at some measure, grown as a people. We have taken those lessons forward and not let the violent part of our human nature take over. That reason, debate, and civility can rule even when at the fringes, it doesn't always seem that way. So 50 years ago in this country was a different time. And it's good to remember that people gave their lives in the pursuit of peace and harmony and a better way of life. That's what I think about today on the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., in Memphis, Tennessee. Early morning, April 4, shut rings out in the Memphis sky. Free at last, they took your life, they could not take your pride. There we go. We got a great show for you today, thanks to Bono and you too. Our guests include Elijah Bondi from the Avera McKinnon Foundation and Twyla Perkinson, who is with Child Life Specialist with Avera Children's. They'll preview this weekend's Big Grape, which is a fundraiser for Avera Foundation. Blogger Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press will be in. He's Corey's going to be in studio, not usually uh, checking in by phone up, up in Aberdeen. And Scott Hudson will join us for Weird Friends. I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, trade, Trump trade. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. K-S-O-O. 318 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 K-S-O-O. Oh, it's the time of the Patrick Lally Show when we get a little closer to free. It's the PNL statement with our friends, the Bodines. 
theme song for the PNL statement, Closer to Free. Everybody wants to be closer to Okay, so a couple things going on that caught my interest. One locally, and I, I was gonna, I was gonna go into this, but I just decided to just let the sleeping dogs lie, and that was uh, Mayor Huther's farewell address yesterday, his final state of the city. Uh, you know, uh, judging by that speech, you, you know the man single-handedly transformed this city. I don't know if you people know that or not. I don't know what we're going to do without him, but I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let it go. I'm a bigger person now. I feel better about myself. But I had to, the other thing that, that happened, what happened today, it started yesterday, it's been going this week, and that is the tit-for-tat trade war, trade war with China. Um, and so this is probably not terribly unexpected, right? Today, China... Uh, Slap back at the United States uh, with $50 billion worth of proposed tariffs on, wait for it, American soybeans, cars, chemicals, and other goods in a move likely to stoke fears that the country's escalating confrontation could become an all-out trade war. That's the lead from the New York Times today. And uh, it continues, moving with unusual speed, Chinese officials outlined plans to make it more costly to import one. 106 types of American goods into China. They're intended to hit the United States square in the farm belt, a major section of President Trump's political support, but also a major supplier of what China stocks in its supermarkets. Beijing's plans to institute new tariffs were announced just hours after the Trump administration detailed its own protections on a similar value of Chinese-made aircraft parts, cars and car parts, television steel, and much more. Following a previous round of tit-for-tat tariffs unveiled over the past few days, the new measures have sparked concerns that dispute could widen further, hurting jobs and growth in both countries. So, first of all, I'm, you know, so I want to see the 106 items. And, you know, a lot of it is variations on a theme. About 50 of them are uh, different descriptions for uh, various forms of internal combustion engines or... Uh, combined with uh, electronic, electric cars and, and different things of this nature. Uh, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, agriculture products on there, including the yellow soybean, the black soybean, corn, corn flour, uncombed cotton, cotton linters, sorghum, brewing or distilling dregs and waste, other durum wheat, other wheat and mixed wheat, and here's where, here's where it starts to get fun. Whole and half head fresh and cold beef, fresh and cold beef with bones, fresh and cold boneless beef, frozen beef with bones, frozen boneless beef, frozen boneless meat, and other frozen beef chops. I got that from CNBC, the list. Um, so we've been talking about this for a while, right? And, you know, it's trade. It's just rhetoric. Who cares, right? It's, it's this Trump versus uh, China. Similar themes. It's been going on for a while. But this really is uh, serious for South Dakota. And I, I wonder where we thought this was going to go. Is, is there any country in the world that can turn back into itself over the long term like China? At one point, 
six billion people, whatever it is now. Uh, they're used to surviving on their own if they have to. In the meantime, where are South Dakota farmers going to look for new markets for soybeans, corn, beef, and pork? I'm open to ideas, but I don't know that there are many ideas out there to replace the China market. We got out of the PPP or the uh, the uh, uh, Trans-Pacific. Trans-TPP, yes. not the PPP. A PPP is a public part public-private partnership. That's the hotel and parking room downtown. TPP is the trade policy. Trans-Pacific partnership. With uh, our, uh, 10 other nations, including Canada and a bunch of folks in Asia and Australia. So we got out of that. But I'm open to ideas. Prices are already low. Not historically low, not crisis level low, but low enough that it's affecting the South Dakota economy. The effect of China putting big tariffs on agriculture products just means that the overall supply versus demand ratio will be further out of balance. Because last time I checked and I saw this item the other day, American farmers are going to plant more soybeans than corn for the first time in like 35 years. So we're all in on soybeans. We've been planting soybeans like crazy. The Roundup Ready soybean has allowed us to expand the acreage that we commit to soybeans, and we have. To previously untillable land out there in uh, your northwest South Dakota. Now, soybeans, as far as the eye can see. So we're in the soybean business. So this is a big deal for us. Now, I don't advocate full-on abdication to China. Certainly not. That's not the way this works. There are real issues that need to be addressed in terms of vehicles and intellectual property and, and the like. But we've made huge strides over the past decade in terms of opening markets for South Dakota goods. That can all go away pretty quickly especially in the short term. South Dakota is in the export business, period. If the president wants to take away our markets for the benefit of the steel industry, what does he plan to do to help us out? So far, I'm not hearing anything, and I'm not hearing anything from our elected leaders either, other than some vague reassurances that everything is going to be okay. Every step of the way in this debate, the rhetoric has gone up while the avenues for true progress are slowly fading away. What exactly is the end game with this strategy. When I have this discussion with the collection of Trump backers I run into from time to time, they've got no response and they try to change the subject to some boogeyman of immigration or something like that or, you know, or the fact that we go into this, oh, we just don't make anything here anymore. Well, that's true. We've moved away from the manufacturing economy, but that's largely because we don't want to pay the cost of buying the products that are made in America. Then we say we don't have the good-paying jobs of the old days of manufacturing. That's because we didn't want to pay the labor cost of a good-paying job, so we beat back and demonized the unions. So which is it? Do you want good-paying jobs or do you want less expensive phones, cars, and trinkets? You don't get both. You know what we do make? Corn, soybeans, cows, pigs. At least that's what we make here. This could all end up being sound and fury signifying nothing. But for that to happen, we have to turn down the rhetoric a couple of notches and quit flailing around like a teenager with nothing to lose. 
Screaming about unfair trade may make you feel better around the morning coffee clatch, but it's not going to change anything. Only actual negotiation does that. Good faith negotiation that benefits everybody. There is a path to progress. There is a path to stable markets for South Dakota goods, but we are not on it. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Drop me an email, Patrick at KSO.com, or check into our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. Get on Facebook Live. All of it. Different ways that you can talk to us. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with Scott Hudson for Weird Friends, and then we're going to talk about the big grape. So stay tuned. This is Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring in at this time on most Wednesdays for Weird Friends, my friend Scott Hudson. And we always play little replacements for Scott. Scott, uh, how are you, man? Yes. How are you? I'm, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. I worry about you, man. I worry. I don't, why? Why is that? I don't know. No good reason. Just because we're all, we're both just getting old. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Lost a couple friends this weekend, people I know. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. Tragically, uh, and be way before their time, and that always makes me think of you know, it makes me a little melancholy. But that's especially you know people who don't necessarily live a healthy lifestyle like me, right? Well, I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> I have recommended uh, the both both our uh, health systems have the those heart scan deals that are cheap. You just walk up and they scan your heart, see how it is. I've recommended that several times. Got two friends die of heart attacks over the weekend, and that yeah, just shouldn't yeah. happen. Shouldn't that's happen. True. Anyway, that's not why you're here, Scott. You're here because, well, I don't know. What's on your mind, man? What's got you? What's got well, you up, upset? You know, once again, <laughs> this little city that wants to pretend it's a real city. Yeah. The small town is the small town ishness of it has come to rise again. Here we have a movie theater. <laughs> Just wanted a simple little beer license. And no, what about the children? What about the children? Uh, what about the fact there's a casino on every block in this town? Yeah, that doesn't what about seem to be the, a problem. What about the fact that, um, you know, this whole theory about, you know, an adult might buy kids beer at these movies. Um, uh, okay, event center, pavilion, Orpheum, uh, any place the basketball teams play. Uh, children are there and they serve beer. There doesn't seem to be an issue with that. No, and if you've got a parent, they're bringing their kid and they're giving them beer in a movie. Okay, let's just say that, that you've taken your 16, 17, 18-year-old to a movie at West Mall 7 and you decide, hey, I'm going to give my kid a beer. All right, if you're a parent and you're giving your kid beer at the movies, well, yeah. how <laughs> du- first of all, how dumb are you? Yes, yes. I mean, let's face it. Movies aren't exactly a, a social, you know, event. No. You might go, I mean, you'll go with other people, but you're not, like, interacting with other people. So it's not like this whole theory that, oh, I'm going to corrupt some, some underage person at this movie. That just doesn't happen. 
Yeah. People part... walk in, they sit down, they may get up and go to the bathroom a couple times, and they watch a movie, and it's over, and they go. Party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Uh, you, you know, then walk down the, uh, what? It's, it is, and it was eight to nothing. All right. This was a unanimous vote. Yes, yes. They're all idiots. This, this one. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I didn't think there was going to be any problem with this. I yeah, was looking forward to going to the movies. Especially a beer license is like the easiest thing to get in this city. Almost anyone can get it for anything. I know. But for some reason, this theater can't. And it's not like, I, I mean, I, I kind of pay attention to uh, what's going on as far as crime and stuff goes. I don't see a lot of issues of things happening at the West Mall theaters. <laughs> No. <laughs> it's cheap movies, man. Come on. Exactly. Who's going to exactly. who's going to pay to go to a movie? It's a cheap movie. It's not even it's not even the 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 the, the first release of the movie. So you're going to yes. go to a cheap movie, second run, just so you can drink a beer? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, it's man. It's insanity. It's just insanity. I I didn't watch the whole debate, but I because I didn't think it was going to be an issue. Really, really, I didn't. No, think it was I wasn't that big really paying attention at first, and then I re- I I read that it was eight to zero, so I went back and was kind of like listen, you know, paying attention to what was being said. It's like, where's Barney Five? <laughs> I did see you post something about that, didn't I? Yeah, because somebody uh, somebody uh, that will remain nameless posted something about how, uh, you know, when when the West Mall Theater owner said, well, what about the fact there's a casino here, you know, that's as close to the arcade? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the council basically said, that's completely different. And so that's when I said, okay, what I said at the beginning about, you know, the event center mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and the attitude is, well, that's different. That's yeah. different. I, how I is don't it know. different? How is it any different? That if you've got a casino across the hall from a, a video arcade, but that's fine. But you don't want to let people who are of age get a beer in a movie theater because they... I, there, there's just no logic behind it. There's absolutely no logic behind it. unless and I could see how maybe one person could have like a Pollyanna little attitude mm-hmm. towards something like that. Because you do get that anytime alcohol is brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, but eight zero, eight zero. <laughs> no, I was just shocked. By I it. say this calls for action, and now <laughs> nip it in the bud. <laughs> Good old Barney. Oh, nice. And the thing is, we have had beer movie theaters in this town before. Yes, and hey, I remembered the name of that place from our youth: Stars and Steins. Stars and Steins. Yes, yes. Early '80s, I was there a handful of times. Uh, it was cool. Yeah, it was. It was actually. It was. It was kind of ahead of its time. I mean, we really weren't ready for. It. That's why it closed down after a couple of years. Yeah, and it. They didn't have like a theater. It was a big empty room where they showed movies and had some tables. But yeah, still. yeah. I mean, it was. It was more like going to a bar that just happened to show movies. That's exactly what it was. But there are places up in the cities that serve beer at theaters. Every city has theaters that serve beer. I mean, the, the, the isn't that the whole concept of that um, uh, Alamo? What uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. yep, I think you're. I do know what you're talking about. Yes, it, it, there's movie theaters that serve beer. That's why I don't. 
understand it. it I mean, right. like, this isn't a dry county. <laughs> no, no. We're not living in Texas. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> it's not like we're uh, sneaking moonshine into everywhere we go, you know. <laughs> no. And, you know, and the fact of the matter is, is that if I if I really wanted to drink in a movie, I would just sneak it in. But I don't. Oh. I mean, it's not that big a deal to me, but come on. Yeah, uh, it, that has happened once or twice. Yeah, I know. Then you just bring the <laughs> nipper. Uh, and what are you listening to, man? We haven't talked about music much recently. Anything good? Um, well, let's see. What have I been listening to? Um, I have, you know, I just, I, I just built a new record rack, and so I've actually put all my records away. Um, the new Hot Snakes is really, really good. Uh, there's a band called Titus Andronicus. They've been around for uh, three, four records. Their new one is called uh, A Productive Cough. A <laughs> Productive Cough. <laughs> yeah. If I could just get a good productive cough. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. A Productive Cough. Um, and what's the name of the group again? Say that again. What's, that? what's the name of the group Titus, again? Titus Andronicus. Titus. Is that three words? Titus Andronicus? Nope. Or Titus nope. Andronicus? Yes. Got it. All right. I'm going to look it up. Uh, yeah. Scott Hudson, he's here most Wednesdays for Weird Friends. Scott, uh, good stuff. Thank you, and I'm I'm going to try and get past this issue. With yeah, you. I'm going to go buy some beer and maybe go see a movie later. <laughs> Have fun. Talk to you later. <laughs> Coming up after the break, we're going to preview the Big Grape with a couple folks from Avera, and that'll be fun. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. I'll trade all of my money for one last pack of strings. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm very happy to have in the studio with me today to preview a major event every spring here in Sioux Falls, and that's the Big Grape, which is a fundraiser for uh, Avera McKenna Foundation. And we have with us Elijah Bondi and Twyla Perkinson. Elijah is the annual giving coordinator for the Avera McKinnon Foundation, and Twyla is the child life specialist with Avera Children's. Both of you, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Patrick. appreciate being here. Yes, um, thank you. First of all, uh, when is the big grape? Give me, the, give me the rundown on the details, where, when, how, why, all that stuff. Sure thing. Big grape is uh, about 10 days away. We're looking at Friday the 13th at the Avera Prairie Center. Uh, it's going to start off at 7 p.m. that evening uh, with lots of fun happening then. So it's the big grape. It's wine, right? Oh, yeah, it's wine. So tell me, how does the wine enter into this equation? Well, we kind of consider it as the premier wine tasting event in not only Sioux Falls, but all across South Dakota. Uh, we've got hundreds and hundreds of bottles of wine for you to try everything from the stuff you have on a regular basis all the way to some pretty spend, spendy bottles that you maybe wouldn't be able to have anywhere else but our event. It sounds like a great opportunity to just learn a little bit about wine. Exactly. Will yeah. there be somebody there to tell me what I'm tasting? Yeah. Uh, there'll be, yes, there'll be some uh, servers from local restaurants that know their wines better than I do for sure. Uh, and they can tell you a little bit about what you're trying out. And they'll also help you pair them with a lot of the food we, we've got that evening as well. And so it, it costs money, of course. Uh, it costs to get in. Tickets, where do I get my tickets? How tickets you there? can get at thebiggrape.com. Head there, and that'll direct you to tickets. Tickets are $135 a piece, as this is, of course, a, a fun It's fun a fundraiser, day. and you yeah. get a lot of wine. You get a lot of wine. <laughs> a lot of wine. But there's other ways to give. Yes, of course. Yes. Yep. Yep. If you, uh, if you don't want to 
come to the event or you can't make it that evening, you can register to bid in our silent auction online. That's something you can do starting now. It's been open for a couple weeks. And uh, most of the packages are on there and ready to bid upon. And you do not have to be present to win an item. Uh, if you're bidding on stuff, we've got great trips. We've got great... Uh, liquor packages and wine packages, as well as a plethora of other stuff that you can bid on just by registering at thebiggrape.com. Awesome. Uh, Twyla, uh, you are a child life specialist with Avera Children's. What does that mean? What do you do? As a child life specialist, I'm there to help support our children and our families who spend time with us at Avera Children's. I'm an educator. I'm someone who can help to ease some of the tension and some of the nervousness of being in the hospital. And help to make the place just a little bit better. And so how does uh, the Big Grape affect what you do and what's the connection there? The Big Grape helps to support we as child life specialists with technology. We've been able to purchase iPads that we use as a distraction tool. We were able to purchase some new sofa sleepers for our families, which will accommodate them in a family-centered care that we're providing for our patients. And so the, but the, the, the event... Uh, Funds more than just children's, right? I mean, it, it go, it, how does that, where does the money go? It really is a primarily an event for the Avera Children's Hospital, correct? Okay. Yep. And uh, what other, so other than uh, stuff for the kids directly, uh, fund other programs more broadly, or how does that work? Not particularly. It really is, it really is for the kids. It's for, we like to say it's for Avera's smallest patients yes. and their families oh, um, awesome. to, to make for the most comfortable experience that we can create at Avera McKinnon. For those patients. Now, it seems in my brain that this uh, event, the Big Grape, has been going forever. Uh, <laughs> but how, how long has it been around? 19 years. Well, that's this almost forever to me. This year. Yeah. I mean, when you're only 28 years old, like me, that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not true. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it's grown, right? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Each and every year, it just gets a little bigger, a little better. Um, we, it's certainly a magical night. We invite people to come out and help to support our youngest patients, whether it's someone staying with us in the neonatal intensive care, maybe it's someone staying with us in the pediatric unit, but it definitely supports children and families. And uh, Avera uh, serves children across all different part departments, so you, you must move around the hospital, the campus, quite a bit. As a child life specialist, yeah, I will see a patient under the age of 18 no matter where they're at in my building. If it's the radiology department, maybe it's the operating rooms prior to you know going back to surgery. But yes, we have a large area to cover. How long have you been with the Vera? I celebrated my 30th year. This oh, year. my. Always with children, working with children? Same position as a child life specialist. How have you seen that change over the years in terms of, I mean, 30 years is a long time in medicine. Um, what, what kinds of, uh, what, what are you seeing in kids today that you maybe weren't seeing 30 years ago or what has gone away that you just aren't seeing uh, in terms of things that kids are, are dealing with these days? Some of the same diagnoses are remain the same throughout the 30 years. You know, there's always a new diagnosis of diabetes. You may have a cancer diagnosis. You may have someone who's got a fractured arm after falling off the monkey bars. <laughs> Some things remain the same. A couple things have changed. You don't spend as the length of time at the hospital anymore. You know, we're doing things more of an outpatient basis. And so the time to connect with our children and families sometimes is short, mm -hmm. although sometimes a length of stay might last a little longer. It must be very rewarding, though, to be able to help these families uh, because you know that their, their anxiety level is very high. Uh, and for a lot of them, they are in at the worst, maybe the worst point in their lives. 
Yeah, it is definitely sometimes hospitalization is very unexpected. And so we want to be there to treat the child, the parents at the point in time where they're at. If you've spent an extended time with us, maybe it's time for a pizza party Mm -hmm. on day five. And so sometimes big grape funds can help us to buy, you know, bring in some pizzas and give some cards, pizza gift cards out to our families to help support the time. That's awesome. And Elijah Bondi, uh, quickly, give us, the, uh, give us the rundown on the details again so I can remember how to get my tickets and all that. Yep, absolutely. The Big Grape, uh, Friday the 13th at the Avera Prairie Center, all starting on 7 p.m. that evening. Tickets can be purchased at thebiggrape.com, and on that website it also can give you some information on how to bid on items and learn more information about everything happening with the Big Grape. It's a, it's a wonderful evening, and if you like wine, and who doesn't <laughs> like wine, uh, it's a, a, a great chance to really experience some things that you normally wouldn't be able to experience. So, uh, Twyla Perkinson, she's a child life specialist with Avera Children's and Elijah Bondi, he annual giving coordinator for Avera McKinnon Foundation. You guys, thanks a lot and have a great time, uh, a week from Friday night. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. We invite everyone to come out to (laughs) sip and sample the good food and support us. Awesome. We will be right back in a moment on the Patrick Lally show information 1000 K S O O. Fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Remember Friday, it's the first Friday downtown. It's a special day of shopping, art, and entertainment. Visit a variety of retailers, artist venues, and restaurants. Enjoy free and discounted activities at the Washington Pavilion. Always a good time downtown Sioux Falls. The weather's going to be a little better. You'll be able to be out and about. Don't worry, people. Get out and have fun. Just want to mention. If you want those details of the big grape on Friday, a week from Friday, the 13th, we'll throw those up on our Twitter feed at Pilali Show. Also, quick programming note. Looks like the Twins are going to play today in Pittsburgh. Pre-game starts at 4.30, so we're going to end a little bit early, but we'll have Corey Heidelberger on here in just a minute for the last half hour of the show up till 4.30, so stick with us. Next up, it's the news and weather from ABC News. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And a little trampled by turtles to welcome our next guest. In studio, we are very, very pleased today to have in studio Corey Heidelberger, blogger Corey Heidelberger, normally by phone from the, the great city of Aberdeen. He, of course, of Dakota Free Press fame. Corey, thanks for coming into the studio today. Patrick, thanks for having me. I'd have brought beer and wine, but there's kids listening to the radio station next door. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. Uh, yeah, you just never know where the kids are going to get their beer and wine these days. Could be at a Disney movie. We don't know. Um, say, uh, The thing I wanted to talk to you about, because you live in Aberdeen, and you post about this uh, every once in a while. A lot of times we talk about statewide politics, but I want to talk about Aberdeen today, the hub city. You have written about folks coming to town who are holding these like anti-Islam sessions. What is happening in Aberdeen? What is going on there? Well, you know, it's... 
it's tough to nail down exactly what's happening with these rallies. And unfortunately, they haven't happened just in Aberdeen. There have been similar events in Rapid City. There have been a couple down here in Sioux Falls, Mm -hmm. although last fall the History Club kicked one out, and they came to Aberdeen. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Um, but you know, and, and there've been, you know, a couple other places in like rural South Dakota. I think winter had an event like this maybe a couple of years ago and around in Minnesota, same thing in kind of the smaller towns. This doesn't happen in Minneapolis. It happens in like Wilmer and St. Peter. Um, and we don't know who sponsors it because the, the Facebook group that promotes it is called the Americans first comma, the comma is important. I'm told Americans first comma task force. Hmm. And they don't say who they are. They don't say where they're getting their money. The only thing I've ever seen is some people associated with it. Some local Aberdonians formed a pack two years ago in 2016 to kind of take donations in this and that, but it's really this kind of just unknown group who brings in these mostly unknown out-of-state speakers. You know, they, they, they never bring anyone local. Like, they, like this one on April 10th that I posted about today. It's supposed to be an event about Islam, so we can all truly understand Islam. They don't invite any of the actual practicers of Islam who live next door to us in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. They get these folks from out of state who've never been to, well, the gal who's coming has never been to Aberdeen before. The other guy is apparently a favorite in the kind of the, the alt-right white supremacist circuits. He, he came last year, I think, in the spring. He's coming back again because he gets he such Aberdeen. a warm reception. Well, and, and it always seems to tie into anti-immigrant fervor as well. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me because a lot of the immigrants that we're talking about are not Islam, Muslim. Yeah, I mean, if you look up in in Aberdeen, for instance, um, we've got the, we've got there are Somalis who've come mm-hmm. uh, you know, from Somalia. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the Karen people who've come from Malaysia. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty significant uh, Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly which part of you know, be it right. Mexico, Central America, whatever. But a lot of those folks come not just to Aberdeen, but all over in South Dakota, working in the dairies and that. You know, and that's that's full time yeah. work. Um, and and a new group called the the the, the POW. P-A-O. They're apparently from, from Myanmar also. Myanmar just beats up everybody, it seems like. The Karen, the Pau. Maybe we'll get Rohingya here in a little while. But three of those groups, the, the Hispanics, the, the Karen, and, and the Pau, they're not Muslim. But they're, they're a little darker than most of us, except me on a good July day. Um, <laughs> but how do those things all get tied together? I just don't get it. You know... It is tough to get, but I'm, I'm going I'm to reach big, and I apologize on the radio here. We're going to try to talk about big concepts. There's a lot of gesturing going on. They're huge gestures because it's a big concept. I forget we're not on TV. If you look at where these anti-Islam, anti-immigrant rallies happen, there's a trend, and I've seen other people identify this. These folks like uh, Chris Gaubatz and John Guandalo, these are, I mean, these are just some of the weird names mm-hmm. in this kind of quasi-underground movement to bash Muslims. They never go to places like New York City or Minneapolis even and hold a session. They go to these smaller rural towns that are maybe only just experiencing their first significant wave of, you know, not just, you know, one pastor moves to town and he adopted a black son. Mm -hmm. We're talking like many families, dozens of people from other countries of different races, different religions, moving into what some would call white-topia a place where we've been German, Norwegian, Lutheran forever, and we don't see a lot of diversity, you know? And so these smaller towns, not just Aberdeen, but the other places these speakers go to, they're in kind of their first throes of, oh my gosh, different people. And that rouses some fear. And so that appears to be what these out-of-state speakers prey on, is that initial unfamiliarity, discomfort, that uncertainty about 
their small town suddenly looking very different. And that message of we hate Muslims, we hate immigrants, we hate different stuff, unfortunately plays well in such places. Hmm. That's very interesting. We're going to come right back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger, blogger from Dakota Free Press, who is in town today and in studio, and we enjoy that more than anything. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 416 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with blogger Corey Heidelberger, who's come all the way down from Aberdeen. Of course, Corey uh, blogs at Dakota Free Press. He's a frequent guest on this program. We just, we're very happy to have you in studio today. It's just so much better to see you eye to eye. Absolutely. And I'm happy to be in a warmer town. Nice to be around. Is it that much warmer? A little bit. You notice. <laughs> I always think of Aberdeen as really, a really, really cold and flat place. But that's probably not really fair, is uh, it? Uh, well, uh, six months of the year, it's fair. We are completely flat and we are generally cold. Are you an Aberdeen native? Uh, no, I'm a Madison, South Dakota oh, native, that's but right. I'm, I'm doing every corner. I've lived in Madison. I've lived in Spearfish. Now I'm doing the Northeast. You know, Madison has produced a lot of uh, politically motivated people. Yes. Well, Carl Munt, <laughs> my favorite Madison Republican who sat with Joe McCarthy. Oh, geez. Well, there he, was that. Only senator to serve four terms in South Dakota. So Madison is the place to be if you want longevity in politics. Go up to the Munt Library there at DSU. You betcha. Uh, John Lauk, who's a Republican mm-hmm. uh, uh, operative of, of renown. He's also from Madison. John and I were on the debate team together. Madison High School Bulldogs, 1989. You guys must have been killing it. Well, John was killing it. I was just chasing girls. So. <laughs> John was more focused. Oh, <laughs> well, as you might expect. Um, say, I don't want to let this, uh, the thing about Islam and Aberdeen go here uh, without talking briefly about how this plays into the House campaign, because this is what I keep thinking about. And to what degree does this, these people coming in here uh, and talking about these issues help Neil Tapio, who is running on a platform of essentially anti-Islam. I've wondered that same thing. Even in 2016, when these first rallies came and the first out-of-staters came to, you know, produce these kind of crypto clan hate speeches, um, at the second one they did, September of that year during the election, they had a Trump banner up on the podium and everything. So I was looking at that and wondering, are is this really, are we sneaking in some Trump support? Are we mm-hmm. trying to whip up the Trump vote? Or are we just trying to coattail on that? And that's kind of what I see Tapio doing because he last year... And I don't know about this year, but last year he was going around to these events in Aberdeen. He's come to Aberdeen many times Mm -hmm. and spoken at them as kind of an undercard to our out-of-state visitors and tried to rally people to come, you know, testify in peer saying, we got to get on the buses and we got to make, you know, make noise. So Neil Tapio has been using these rallies, especially in Aberdeen, to try to build some political support. Now, whether that turns into practical political activity remains to be seen. I haven't seen it turn into organization yet. Mm-hmm. He did get a busload of Aberdonians to you know, ride the hate bus out to pier and testify in favor of his, let's ban immigrants from South Dakota bill. That didn't go anywhere. They still no. threw the bill out. But I don't know if that group, I mean, I see them coming to these rallies and the numbers have gotten smaller in the ones I've seen. Mm-hmm. It seems to be more just kind of a sit around and reinforce our prejudices rather than a, hey, now let's talk about organizing practical political action. Yeah. At least I'm hoping that's the case. Because Neil's running against uh, um, Chantel Krebs mm-hmm. and Dusty Johnson mm-hmm. in the House Republican primary. Right. 
those two both have a lot of money and a lot of organization. It would seem like it would be difficult for him to peel much off of there, but you don't know in a Republican primary. One would think, but yeah, you never know who's going to show up. And the, the people who do bother to come to these rallies, they may be the people who would also bother to come to a Republican primary, that really hardcore base that really supports Trump. And so I think, you know, if you look at Tapio's rhetoric and you look at what happens at these rallies, they very much follow the Trump model. Yeah. We're going to demonize Islam. We're not going to worry about the facts. We're going to label anybody who comes to these events and tries to question us or me who reports on it, we're going to label them as fake news Mm -hmm. and say that we are the only authority you can trust on this. We Mm -hmm. who don't practice Islam and don't live here in South Dakota practicing Islam, we are the experts on Islam in South Dakota. Yeah. Speaking of Trump, um, I I don't want to let you go without commenting on this. So the Chinese released another long list of uh, tariffs proposed tariffs. Nothing has happened yet. It's all just bluster. But on the list this time is soybeans, corn, beef, pork. Do you think that uh, Trump's gambit here, his play, his strategy in terms of talking tough because of steel and manufacturing will lose him any votes in South Dakota or will affect these political races at all? Boy, I hope so. Because there's got to because you're a Democrat. Well, that <laughs> and there's got to come a point where people recognize that voting with their gut, and that's what these anti-Islam rallies are about. They're not about intelligent discourse about comparative theology. They're about I'm scared of something. Let's mm-hmm. blame Muslims. Mm-hmm. They're not about that. I mean, they're about voting with emotion. Mm-hmm. Voting with emotion leads you to do stupid things to marry the wrong person, which I didn't. We voted very, or married very rationally. It worked out great. 16 years and here we go. Congratulations. But voting on emotion leads you to make bad choices that end up being self-destructive. And you can see that in every corner of people's lives. And now we're seeing it in the politics. These people who want to think we're going to keep America great and live in our own cocoon and not have anybody different come to our country because the rest of the world doesn't exist. Those are the same people who now have elected a president who's going to lead us into a trade war that's going to lead us into a mess in a global society. That's the fact they miss. We're a global society, whether it's immigrants coming to work in our beef plants and dairies or whether it's us having like 90% of our stuff in our house made in China. Welcome to the modern world. Making America great while keeping America great means keeping America connected to the world, not trying to shut ourselves off. And these tariffs show the bad that comes from that. Do you think that, I mean, you're in Aberdeen, that's farm country up there. It's, it's grain country. Uh, do, do you hear this connection in the discussion that you're seeing here in your hometown? Well, I think the farmers have certainly, at least the farm organizations have picked up on it. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's your rank and file farmer, you well, know, the, the guys farm down bureau at the guy, The head of the South Dakota Farm Bureau was sitting right there and told me that he's been assured that everything's going to be okay. He I, has concerns. But everything's going to be okay. I, well, and I certainly hope that's the case. But I think if you look at the record, that's wishful thinking. I mean, you're not seeing a strategy. You're seeing a president who watches TV, gets mad and says, that sounds like a tough thing to do. You know, you use the word strategy. You were mistaken about that. Trump, again, he's still, he's, he got voted for by emotion. Now he's presiding by emotion. And presiding, voting, legislating, governing by emotion leads to bad results because you aren't planning ahead. You're living for the endorphin rush right now. You pay attention to these things more than I do in terms of what the congressional delegation is saying. Are you hearing anything from them that is in the least bit sounding an alarm? Not as much as it needs to be. 
Because I think they're beholden to their electorate back home who voted 61% for Trump. And they just, in, in few, if any situations, have they shown the real courage to say, this bad policy has to stop. It's bad for South Dakota. They, they've lip serviced it so far. But I mean, I haven't heard the thing where they come out and say, these tariffs have to stop. If they're doing it, they're doing it quietly and they aren't doing it effectively. Because like we saw today, it's just escalating. Chinese did pork and like strawberries on Friday. Mm-hmm. Now it's corn and soybeans. Now we're talking serious now, money. <laughs> now we're talking stuff we're all making money off here and that we're, it's going to bite a lot of farmers. Um, briefly in the time we have left, in the last minute or so, uh, we talked a lot about the legislative lineups last week and the, everything was just coming in. Now that most of it is in, what, what's your assessment of the Democratic lineup for the legislative candidates, of which you are one? Of which I am one of 102 Democratic bragging. Democrats have filled more ballot slots this year at this point, and people could still drop off or get afraid or whatever, but we've filled more ballot slots this year at this point than we have in any of the past elections of this century. We've got 102 ballot slots filled. Republicans filled only 97. So on paper, Democrats are stronger than Republicans in the legislative race right now. You've got a long way to go. Oh, Um, we got to win. And here's the thing. How many of those... (laughs) How many of those are placeholders, which is a very weird thing in South Dakota politics that you put somebody on the ballot and then you hope they stay on the ballot? Sure. I honestly don't have a read of that on either party. I know there are races where they said, well, we need to hold a spot so that maybe we can appoint some new, keep recruiting until summer. And state law allows that for all parties. They can make that happen until beginning of August. Isn't that weird? Well, it's weird, but in a way, I think what's weird is making people declare for the election, you know, seven, eight, nine months before the vote. In other states, they don't have the primary till September. Well, that makes sense. Well, that's Minnesota. But then the primary is not really, or they have the conventions. The conventions aren't binding. What's weird is that we have to do this so early. We should, elections are too long. We should have the primary on Labor Day, general election in November, and then boom, we're ready to go. That'd be fun. It'd be great. It'd be cheaper for candidates. You want to get big money out of campaigns? There's step one, later primaries. They probably won't listen to you. We'll keep trying. I'll say it louder. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to try. I have to tell people here, we're going to, we're going to cut her short. uh, The show today, Corey's going to be the big finish. Because we've got uh, the twins coming up at four thirty. Go Free twins! Game. There you go. So that's uh, we got a, we got a couple minutes here. You uh, you'll be back with us next week. You probably if, won't be in studio. But if you'll have me, you bet. Corey Heidelberger. He blogs at DakotaFreePress.com. Also tomorrow on the big show, probably not going to have a show because it's the twins opener, home opener. Which I'll be watching the twins and the Masters at the same time. Can't be anything better than that. So Dan Peters and I will be back on Friday for sure. If there's a rain out, something goes horribly wrong, we'll be here for you, but probably not. Friday, Tony Reese, GOP operative, will be with us as well. We'll get we'll get the GOP side of things, Corey. I'd love to be here for that. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. We'll Thank talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.